Hey, future ghosts. I'm Araya. And I'm Steen. And this is a show that uncovers what monsters might be lurking in the shadows. Or which could simply be hiding in plain sight. This is immediately no. Whatever's on the beyond. I think it's going to be more like Star Trek beaming me up into a space vehicle. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. What's up, everybody? Hey, Welcome guys. to uh, Immediately No. Immediately No, uh... Happy Halloween! Just kidding. That was yesterday. If you were, uh, if you were, uh, yeah, following along, we had some technical difficulties, and um, well, we're here now, and so Merry Christmas. Yeah, if you were patiently waiting by your phone, we're so sorry. <laughs> and let me yeah. tell you, yesterday and the day before was automatically a no. <laughs> so we're yeah, already off to a better start we, today. Yeah, we literally were like immediately no, like no, absolutely not. We're gonna we're gonna have to just uh, you live and you learn, right? First podcast, first episode, you learn you learn some things, and uh, here we are. So we're doing yes. it. Yes, yes, yes. But, uh, uh, we are on a road of discovery. So, uh, Justine, <laughs> well, how was your week? What'd you do yesterday for Halloween? Dude, I was gonna ask you the same thing, but I actually did nothing (laughs) i'm like bro i'm so uh it was the most un-halloween night of my entire life like i didn't even get any trick-or-treaters even though i didn't want to answer the door anyway but you know um no no one was there and uh yeah but i want to hear about your night with your chitlins that you have oh dude well ava was winnie the pooh and uh she was like the most pissed off winnie the pooh ever (laughs) and we saw a couple other babies also in winnie the pooh costumes and, like, one of the parents overheard me talking about pitting our little Winnie the Poohs against each other to oh see who, God. like, the ultimate Winnie the Pooh would be. And- I was going to say, like, <laughs> honestly, there should have been, like, a duel or something. And uh, yeah, she probably was judging the shit out of you, like, this fucking mom. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, your sense of humor, like, is not where it should be. Dude, wait, I actually have one update for you that I forgot to text you. I wanted to tell you this so bad. So when we were, you know, tussling through these technical difficulties and you kept saying, just do your fucking job, just do your fucking job. And th- this was for anyone listening, Araya talking to inanimate objects um, or <laughs> I- ideas or things, um, not an actual person. So anyway, I, you know, I have these license plates. Like uh, if anyone knows me, I just I'm the queen of finding like vanity license plates. Right. Dude, they well, find you. If anything else, they do. They they're speaking you out. <laughs> Dude, I saw one. I'll send it to you. It says, do your job. (laughs) I I fucking died. I saw it and I was like, bro. I feel bad for like, if I'm ever the boss of anything ever, it's just, it's just going to be like a do your fucking job poster on the wall. You can be the boss of this podcast when we're really famous. Comedian. Uh, I'll just tell you to like, fuck off. You <laughs> I mostly like yell it at myself. Um, yeah. And mostly at my brain. My brain. Yeah, yeah. Your brain, do yeah. your fucking job. <laughs> Why we're here. Why we're here. Well, shit. Um, I guess. Uh, you want to get started? Yeah, uh, yeah let's get started. Um, my mm. first subject is going to be on Robert the Doll. Uh, Robert the Doll 
<clears throat> is supposedly one of the most cursed objects in the world. He's about 117 years old and inspired popular horror movie icon Chucky the Doll. He mm -hmm. is currently at East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida, where he's been since 1994. He's a, he's a 90s man, so <clears throat> respect on that. Um, we'll kind of get into what shenanigans Robert would get into, but here's a little backstory on his original owner. His original owner's name is actually Robert. Robert Eugene Otto, nicknamed Gene, was born October 25th, 1900 in Key West, Florida. 1900. <clears throat> 1900. He was the youngest child of Thomas and Minnie Otto. Um, and the Ottos were a really respected family within their community in Key West. Altogether, they had four children, Mizpah, Joseph, and also Thomas and Robert. So, we I mean, I've come to to figure out that there was only, like, four boy names in the 1900s. <laughs> like, they're like the fucking Targaryens. Like, they just don't. Oh my god. <laughs> There's Robert, Bob, Robbie, and Roberta. <laughs> There's, like, Thomas Robert Jean, and you like you couldn't name your kid anything other than that, or they'd probably oh, like burn you the at the fucking names. stake. They'd burn you at the stake for it. <clears throat> Thomas Otto was a third generation doctor, and the family actually owned a pharmacy pretty close to the house. Shortly after Jean's birth, the Ottos moved into what is known as the Artist House. The Artist House is a Queen Anne Victorian home and was built between 1990 and 1998, and is actually considered an architectural gym, and is the most photographed house in Florida. So, yeah, it has a lot going for it. When Jean was four, like, a huge no rap sheet. <laughs> go. When Jean was four years old, he received Robert the Doll as a birthday present. He, he adopted a nickname and actually gave Robert his own name. So he changed his name to Gene so Robert could have Robert. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I got it. All right. I'm following. Although there are a lot of stories about where Robert originally came from, he most likely was brought back from Germany by Gene's grandfather while visiting family. Uh, Robert was designed by Richard Steiff of Steiff uh, Toy Company. And they also made the first teddy bear. He's 40 inches tall, which is three foot four. <laughs> <laughs> the same size as Gene. He's the same fucking size as Gene. I'm not sure if I'm impressed by his height as a doll or if, if I'm picturing him uh, short man syndrome as an actual man. Uh, there's a toss up here. I guess we'll, we'll see what I decide as we go on. So, As somebody with kids, it would piss me off to no end if somebody got me my child like something that was the same size as them because if they love something they'll take they want to take it everywhere um yeah, he's no. he's stuffed with excelsior which is just soft wood shavings and made out of wool <laughs> uh he was he was originally made to be a prop um a prop in a storefront and was in a jester's outfit before Gene changed him into the infamous sailor's outfit that he wears now. Despite how fucking huge Robert was, Gene brought him everywhere. Like oh, I said. Of He's like a I said. Child. A man child. Gene loved his new uh, pal probably a little bit too much, though. 
In the beginning, Thomas and Minnie were happy that Jean had found a friend and thought that it was mostly innocent. The Ottos devoted the turret room of the artist's house to Robert. A turret room is inspired by medieval castle architecture and is mostly used in Victorian homes now. It looks like a tower with windows surrounding the whole thing. And that's important later. I'm so <laughs> they- glad you explained that because I meant to ask you when you were telling me about this story. I was like going along with it, like super into it when you were explaining it. And I was like, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah. And I don't, I have no fucking clue what that is, like what that room is. And I was like, yeah, that that, that room sounds intense. Like that shit was dedicated it's- to him. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, they put small furniture sets and a bunch of toys in the room for Robert when they were gone, so he had something to play with. After a while, the family started to notice something really weird about Robert. Jean would constantly talk to Robert and hold full conversations, and people would, rep- would report that they would sometimes hear a deep voice responding back to him. Jean's parents would hear giggling, whispering, and small fust- footsteps that didn't sound like Jean. They would run to check on him when they heard what they thought was a grown-ass man in their kid's room, just to find Robert and Jean sitting on the floor, just talking. Just shooting the shit. Yeah, just shooting the shit. (laughs) As As Jean grew more obsessed with Robert, so did the activity. Jean would start to have pretty intense mood swings, but he's a kid and his family just figured that it it might be normal. But then they would start to hear loud, violent noises from the turret room almost every single night. They would hear running and dragging noises throughout the house when none of the kids were home. When Minnie and Otto would go to investigate, furniture would be moved, items would be scattered and broken, and Robert would be in a completely different place than where they left him. Jean would always respond with Robert did it and would confide in his parents that Robert could actually walk around and was really strong. <laughs> Which I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like any six-year-old kid that's like, he's really strong. Like, how strong is he actually? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. No, uh, Rob- Robert's really strong. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> he's really strong. <laughs> he's oh really strong. <clears throat> not after too long. Jean would start having pretty crazy nightmares. When Jean was around 10, he woke up in the middle of the night screaming for his parents. When his parents would get to his room, the door would be locked and they'd locked and they'd hear crashing and screaming from inside. When they'd finally get into the room, all of his furniture would be completely overturned, his room an absolute mess, and even his toys would be disfigured. And Jean would be in the corner of the room shaking with Robert sitting at the foot of his bed. When Minnie asked what happened, Jean told her that she woke up, that he woke up to Robert staring at him, and then all of his things started flying around the room. And this kid thinks this doll's really fucking strong, so he was like, I'm not, (laughs) what am I going to do? Right. Somehow, Robert once again ramped up the activity in the home. The family would start to see Robert scurry past them out of the corner of their eye, or just straight up see him run across the room in front of them. Well, because like I picture him on like all fours, like trying to be like so under the radar, but he's three foot four. Yeah, <laughs> like, like and then he's just like running around and uh, just skedaddling around the the house, just skedaddling. 
Yeah, just skedaddling. He's got a lot of shit to do, dude. He's trying to get his steps in. <laughs> He's really going. Um, the family would say that Robert was almost never where they had left him. Like, they'd put him in a rocking chair in one corner of the room. They'd come back in. He would be in a completely different room or in a completely different chair. Um, and this would be actually corroborated? Corroborated? Corroborated. God, you're fucking smart. Thank God you're here. Uh, This would be corroborated by other people that didn't live in the home. A plumber came by to service um, the pipes under the sink and would hear children giggling and running around the house but the autos weren't home. And that he also noted that Robert was on the other side of the room. People living on the same street would see Robert running in front of the windows in the turret room. <clears throat> like he would switch windows and he would just like run past like all four of them. He was fucking with everyone. Side note, did you ever when you were a kid, like when you were at like the swimming pool and you like swam up to like one of those pipes where they'd like that used to like fill the pool did you ever, like, just yell into it and you heard your own echo, but you, like, you pretended you were talking to somebody else? Or was that just some fucking weird no. thing that did? No, okay. Justine, I think that's a you thing. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a... All right. I did my fair share of, of pretty weird shit when All I was right. a kid. When I was a kid, I wanted to run away and we lived it I lived in a second-story house and I tied <laughs> together all of my sheets and my shirts to, like, make a... To, like... <laughs> Bro. <laughs> to get out of my window, and I packed like a bag to go, and it was just full of Polly Pockets and like granola Hell bars. Yeah. That's that's Polly Pockets. Then were both not only an activity but a snack. So, well, I, you I, know, I, like the, the purple rubber jacket. You know, was a, maybe a treat. Just, <laughs> maybe I'm a bad at traumatic childhood. I don't fucking know. Just like constantly be chewed up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So right. Minnie was was really, really religious, and Jean's aunt came to visit. And when she did, she brought up concerns about Robert possibly being possessed by an evil spirit. Minnie took this really seriously, and was but was afraid of getting rid of him and upsetting the spirit. So the family locked Robert in his room, in his turret room, and barred Jean from playing with him anymore. The very next day, Jean's aunt died under suspicious circumstances. So he's he's ramped it up again. He just keeps he just keeps going. Thomas Otto died March of 1917 at 52. Shortly after his death, the United States entered into World War II, where Jean's older brother would join the military, while Jean would spend the next couple of years going to school in Chicago, New York, and Paris. And if you're wondering where Robert was during that time, he was also in World War Two, he's like the whole reason that we actually beat the Germans in one. He was so. In the war, actually, he was in the war. He would just scurry past like all of the Germans' feet, yeah, and just yeah. really freak him out. Yeah. Um. So while he was in Paris, he met his wife Annette Parker, who was a pretty successful orchestra player. She played like the piano. I don't know if that's, that's even just, how you say that. That's always supposed uh, to be an orchestra like player. In any kind of scary story, there's always someone that plays some sort of classical music. So that, <laughs> that fits. It's a track. It's tracking. Minnie Otto, Jean's mother, remained in the artist's house until 1945 when she passed away. She had kept Robert locked away and forgot about him. After his mother's death, though, Jean and Annette moved back into his childhood home. 
Jean had become a prominent community figure and a successful art dealer in Key West. He had found Robert, and just like when he was a child, he became obsessed with him all over again. He would once again start having pretty intense mood swings and go into violent rages, even physically assaulting Anne from time to time. Which is such a cop-out, right? Yeah, and fucking Robert, he's really strong. It was Robert. Robert. He's still pretty strong. I don't know. Robert did it. Robert did it. (laughs) Uh, She would describe it as a trance, and when Gene would snap out of it, he'd have no memory of what he had just done. He would carry around Robert, talk to him, and would sit in the turret room for hours painting and just hanging out with Robert. The doll really started to become a point of tension in their marriage. Anne brought up that she thought Robert was causing Jean's violent outburst, and he agreed. Jean put Robert in a box and locked him in the turret room for a brief period of time. Robert, however, was not having it. He would make thumping noise, noises, would giggle, and would escape the turret room and the box regularly. There was a, a story where... Gene heard thumping from the turret room. He went up there to see what was happening. And then when he goes to go back down the stairs, Robert is sitting at the bottom of the stairs. No, Robert was, was not having it being the side chick. Like he was like, if, if no, if I can't have you, no one can. Uh, He's such a chaotic little dude. He's a chaotic little guy. Respect it. He's just completely unhinged. And he yeah. likes to get his steps in. He's been through a lot, you know. He's probably got some PTSD. You know, yeah. he's he's sick of this shit. He's sick of he's like you know, sixty four at this time too. Um, Putting boxes and yeah. Anyway, so Gene took Robert out of the box to see if that would help what was going on. Um, and Robert would just sit up in that turret room and, and switch windows, just run past windows, switch windows, and and he just you know. At the expense of their social life, marriage, and peace of their home, Jean absolutely refused to get Robert, get rid of Robert and would keep him until his death in June of 1974. Jean was buried with his parents in the Otto family plot. Shortly after her husband's death, Anne still didn't get rid of Robert, knowing how much he meant to her late husband. But more importantly, she was absolutely terrified of Robert and was afraid of what he could do if she did get rid of him. Instead of getting rid of him, she put him in a cedar chest in the attic and put the artist house on market, where it was purchased by a woman named Myrtle Reuter. Myrtle's young daughter would find Robert, would clean him up, and would bring him him into her room. Um, But... After finding him, not too long after finding him, Myrtle's daughter would also start having nightmares and night terrors and would wake up crying for her mom. She told her mom that Robert could move, and she woke up to him running across her bed and onto the floor. Myrtle thought it was just her kid having a wild imagination, and with a sh- but within a short period of time, all of the little girl's other dolls would turn up mutilated. And she would claim that Robert tried to attack her and she had to physically fight him off. So it turns out he is pretty strong. <laughs> he's strong. He's, Robert's a bully, bro. He's a Dude. fucking bully. Dude. He's and Gene's fake strong. because, like, why not, why not get buried and bring Robert with you? Like, you're fake Dude, for that. Dude, yeah. Like, you're like, fake you're for so that. Yeah. 
Whatever. Guests would hear running in the turret room, and when they'd go check, Robert would be alone in in a completely different place. It's just kind of his thing, you know. Yeah, he he's just, just like, vibing, bro. Leave him alone. He, he just, just likes the, yeah. Hey, he he likes to psych you out. Uh, the final straw for the Rooters, however, was when Robert attacked the family's pet. They found their dog struggling to breathe with the cord around his neck. Myrtle had had enough and locked him up and tried to forget about him. And despite all that, despite everything Robert's done, when she moves, she brings Robert with him, with her. <laughs> she felt connected to him for some reason. Uh, Myrtle continued to experience little happenings, footsteps, giggling, you know, the Robert antics, but just kind of got used to it. In 1994, she donated Robert to where he's at now, which is the East Martello Museum. At first, Robert wasn't put on display because they thought Myrtle was just kind of talking crazy to him. Um, but then the staff started to experience some paranormal activity with Robert and the public had heard, had knew about him and wanted to be able to see him. Robert was kept in a glass box in the basement while cleaning a different toy display near Robert. A volunteer noticed a little stuffed lion missing from the display she was cleaning and checked the case to make sure that it was locked. Confused. She looked around the room and when she got to Robert's case, she noticed the little lion sitting in his lap. Um, and he still has that little lion. They, they didn't take it from him and I don't blame them. <laughs> no. Yeah. If you saw our post, we, uh, shared a post of Robert the doll and, and the lion is definitely, definitely in there. And you can just tell he's been through some shit in his life, you know? Dude. I mean, they need yeah. each other. Whatever. Yeah, Honestly, if, if I was that little lion, I'd be like, don't take me out of here. Just leave me with this guy. <laughs> yeah, we're chilling, bro. I'd have like, uh, what's it called when somebody kidnaps you and you start to like fall in love with them? Oh, um, um, Stockholm? No. Stockholm's, yeah. That little lion. I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, skeptics and believers from all across the world come to visit Robert and he's set his own rules as the years have gone on. The main rule is to not take his picture without permission. And they say when you ask him for permission, if his, like, head falls to the side, it's a yes. But if you ask me, it's a very genius, like, tactic by the museum to not allow photography in the museum. Yeah. Um, so, but when guests have sneaked photos of him, the photos come out corrupt or their cameras malfunction. Some report hearing noises in their home when they get home from visiting Robert. And then the people that have taunted Robert blame him from for everything from just losing expensive pieces of jewelry to, like, full-blown deaths and car accidents. Some are so sure that Robert is the cause of their misfortune that they write letters begging Robert to leave them alone. And he receives about one to three letters a day and a shitload more emails. Um, so Robert has had a couple caretakers... But his current caretaker is a woman named Corey Vertito. And every year she takes him out of his case to check him over and she weighs him. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> she weighs him. Could you imagine if he just gained like five pounds when you're like. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that like let the guy live, you know? I mean, like 
the one time he's getting like freed from his little you know cage he's got to go on a fucking scale like what, <laughs> yeah. what is this world that we're living in like, like all right robert get your fat ass over here yeah and you know what, honestly <laughs> i hope that for the sake of just the story and his legacy i hope he does gain a little bit of a bit of weight on his way out because i think that would be funny and also it's just like not even this doll's free from from beauty standards well, exactly. it's actually so it, there is a reason that they weigh him, and I'll tell everybody now. It's just to make sure he's not deteriorating, because if you remember, he's made of fucking wood shavings, so <laughs> and it's humid in Florida, so they worry about, like, um, they just have to make sure he's he's in good condition. Okay. She was asked if she thought if Robert the Doll was haunted, and she says she f- isn't sure if he is, but feels like they have a working relationship and a mutual understanding of what her job is. Uh, and the artist house is, is now an Airbnb that's been in business since 1974 and is a popular tourist attraction and people report seeing spirits there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's Robert the doll. And there, there are, I want, I want to say one of the, the theories about where Robert came from is actually that they had a Bahamian maid that they treated badly and she cursed the entire family, which I thought was a little dated. I don't know. I, I didn't like it. I thought it was dated. I thought it was, yeah, it just inflammatory and, and not and 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 not accurate. But that is one of the theories. But like, it's um, so good for her. Like, yeah. And if she did, fine. She yeah, you know, it's I like, respect it. Respectfully, yeah, yeah. I would have done the same thing, probably. Yeah, um, I will it, say. It, oh, no, keep going. No, 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 no. I was gonna Play say when me. I had the photos of Robert the doll on my phone, when we were like, you know, researching and post making our post, I went to go delete them because, like, why keep all these extra photos on my phone? And I just was kind of like, I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble for doing this. Like, I feel like <laughs> something's something's gonna happen here. Like, I'm deleting. Them. I don't know. That's just the the thought I had. But so. Anyway. Justine pointed it out in our episode that is now forever lost to the world, but I have two haunted dolls that I <clears throat> collected years ago. Their names are Ronald and Rhonda, and they're little raggedy raggedy and clown Christmas dolls. And uh, when I first got them, they definitely, they wreaked a little bit of havoc. My husband really didn't like them. He, he felt very weird around them. And now... They just sit back there and they watch me play COD all the time. And Playing they're fine. Uh, so. they're, if, I wish you could see her right now. They're literally behind her. So uh, last night on All Hallows Eve, uh, as we were recording this, you know what? You know what? I blame Robert the Doll for all of our malfunctions yesterday. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't even think about that. Actually, Robert, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to put that on you, my guy. Jeez um, up, Robert. No, I'm sure yeah, he's. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's got. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he's got more imp- important business to attend yeah, to. Yeah, probably that. Yeah. <clears throat> he's got to make sure that he he meets his weight quota for the he's year. So. <laughs> yeah, um, he's got to weigh in. But no, uh, before I even go into my story, I just feel like your dolls were clearly born in you know in around the same geographical area because. Obviously, there was Robert, Rhonda, Randy, whatever the fuck their name. Yeah, are. they're all the same names. <laughs> they all. Just and you know what's born. crazy? 
they they're kind they are they I think they're cute but they definitely have eyes that follow you around a room <laughs> yeah well I'm now I'm so. looking at them and that's cool so anyway um <laughs> that's Robert the doll uh good night it's Robert <laughs> yeah bye guys all right see you later see you in a couple months yeah. see you on Christmas yeah Merry Christmas happy Thanksgiving um well shit that's Robert the doll and I guess uh you know, for me here, I'm going to take a little bit of a different spin and I'm going to talk about, um, a good old fashioned Halloween murder, but I do want to say, um, a little update for the true crime world. If you guys, you know, yeah, I wish there was like a news broadcast. Um, if anyone was following the case, uh, with the two teen girls in Indiana that went missing in 2017 and they found their bodies. Um, there's a lot of documentaries on them. Um, Abby and Libby, um, they just found the killer yesterday. He was arrested. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's actually like old man. Huge, yeah. It's huge news. Of course it is. Huge it is. news. Um, huge. and yeah, so maybe, we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll cover that case or something but uh yeah and i i think uh me and justine what we're gonna do every week after this episode just because we wanted to get this one out as quickly as possible is she'll probably do like true crime news as it comes out because there's a lot happening right now uh and i'll do like paranormal news or we'll both just do both yeah but we want to keep you guys updated on on the the way this world is turning these days yeah on the craziness and it's not good yeah <laughs> and it's frightening think, yeah and we're here with you for it so let's do this together um all right well without further ado drum roll please just kidding all right uh we're gonna hop into my story so this is a story here, wait a second about- oh there you go <laughs> hell yeah ask and you shall receive <laughs> thank you uh, this is a story on the Liskey family, so here we go. Uh, Halloween has always been the perfect day to terrify or be terrified. Many people take it for what it is, a chance to dress up, wear a mask, or just an opportunity to be somebody else. A chance to let the darkest part of your imagination come out and play. Unfortunately, or be a total whore. <laughs> or be a Which slut. Which is my personal preference. <laughs> or be a slut. Uh, Unfortunately, many people use Halloween to do things far more sinister. (laughs) Some might use this opportunity to blend in with the crowd of avid Halloween celebrators and seek out their victims for the fun of it, while others take this as a chance to uh, unleash terror on people that, well, have the misfortune of simply crossing their path. The situation for the Liskey family was no different, as they met their end in the most horrifying way possible on Halloween. (laughs) It was October of 2010. Shout out, graduating high school. Um, I'm older than Araya. Anyway, we're not going to date myself. You're like way older than me, actually. Uh, Growing up now. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm 57. Okay. It was October of 2010 and 53-year-old Bill Liskey, an avid hunter, decided he wanted to go to their family's hunting cabin with his son, William Liskey. Or BJ, as they called him. Not really sure where they got that from, but uh, <laughs> not only would the two of them it go- was funny. That's why. That's BJ? where his names come from. Yeah, it's yeah. just a funny nickname. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's a real funny guy, this guy. Uh, not only would the two of them go fall season deer hunting, but they would get to spend some quality one-on-one time as well. So, using his vacation time, rip, Bill and BJ headed to their family's hunting cabin about 170 miles or three hours away from their home. 
They returned home on Saturday, October 30th, right in time for Halloween. Deliski's home was located on about 100 acres in the seemingly rural town of Martin, Ohio. Of course, everything always has to happen in a rural town, but for anybody wondering, Martin is a town in North Ohio, bordering Lake Erie, approximately 17 miles southeast of Toledo. Uh, has a population of about 1,100 people. <laughs> so, wrong turn. Um, anyway, arriving back home, Bill invited a few of his buds over for beers, shooting the shit, and, well, whatever else middle-aged white bros do on Halloween. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> whatever that's they about do it. in their garage. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Everyone seemed to be having a good time. Bill Liskey's wife, 46-year-old Susan, was also there. Susan had two sons from a prior relationship, 23-year-old Derek Griffin and 16-year-old Devin Griffin. BJ was 24 years old and was Bill's only child from his prior relationship. BJ did not particularly like Susan when his father got married, so their relationship got off to a pretty rocky start. When they first got married, BJ was 15 years old and began acting out, ditching school, rebelling, and rebelling against his new stepmom. Susan tried to enforce rules in her home for BJ, but I imagine those didn't go over so well. <laughs> Susan's son, Derek, lived at home with his mother and Bill, but chose not to hang out with his family that evening as he didn't really get along with BJ too well well no fucking surprise there uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact bj didn't get along with most of his family and had a history of violent fights with them it was rare that he would stay the night with susan and bill because of this but this night was different they had just come home from a seemingly successful father and son bonding trip and bill had consumed too much alcohol he didn't he didn't think it was a good idea to drive bj all the way to his home about 40 miles away in sandusky ohio so they did what anybody else would do made bj a bed on the couch <laughs> um, good on him for not drinking and driving don't do that people um so because bj had multiple altercations with his family and battled with substance abuse he had been living in a halfway house for mental health patients for several months bill would often go and visit him at the group home he truly loved his son and wanted him to get better but their struggles with bj had been an ongoing battle Eight years prior, Bill called the police because 16-year-old BJ, who was on house arrest at the time, threatened to hurt himself. When the police arrived at their home, BJ attacked the officers. And, well, charges were filed. Just two, <laughs> okay. Just two years later. No, this guy's got a sheet going on. This guy is a walking red flag. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say he's got a J name, but he doesn't. BJ. It counts. Um <clears throat> Just two years later, in 2004, BJ got, in, got into an argument with, with Susan, his stepmom. He struck her in the chest with a coffee cup and stole her car keys. I'm just trying to picture, like, how do you strike someone in the chest with a coffee cup? You know, and this all would have been so much funnier if he didn't kill them. <laughs> yeah, and like... Uh, I, is that a it, spoiler? I, wait, yeah, did any... Did, murder, I don't know. He just somebody. in case anybody didn't know, this is the guy. It's not the younger, quieter yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it almost just never is. Wondering, murder means die. <laughs> murder means someone dies. Um, and, uh, and also, like, the chest with a coffee cup, like, was it, like, an open mug that you sit on the couch with? Was it, like, a metal one with a lid? Like, I don't know, but anyway... Uh, he was later charged with felony assault and robbery. <laughs> robbery. Okay. The judge found him incompetent to stand trial and the charges were eventually dropped. This guy. Uh, when he moved into the halfway house, he got, <laughs> oh my God, he got into a physical altercation with his father, Bill, which resulted in the police being called 
yet again. BJ's violent behavior was nothing new at this point. There were at least two other incidents with officers in addition to all of the other violent encounters or outbursts. Get this guy in a straight jacket. Uh, this guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's a walking piece of shit. <laughs> the judge probably thought he had a lot of potential and was yeah. just like going through a, yeah. a rowdy phase. He, Bill, this is the thing. Like Bill, he's a he was a single dad. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know much about BJ's mom. I, you know, when I was doing research, eh, she's barely. I think they had a conversation here or there. Um, they were just and, like Ohio yeah. parents. They were like, "Oh goddamn it, BJ!" Like, it, shut, <laughs> up a, oh, shut up a gun, BJ's acting up again. <laughs> what do we do with BJ? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are we Every time he'd like beat the shit out of somebody yeah. or like steal a car, they'd be like, oh, BJ's at it again. Like, <laughs> that kid, that kid, BJ. But, uh, anyway, for example, when BJ was 18 years old, Bill ended up kicking him out of the house because he attempted to attack Susan while she was in the shower. Okay. Uh, Bill and uh, something tells me that when they got in that fight, that dad was very pink and very irate, but like not yelling still. <laughs> like... You know what? That sounds like a bill kind of thing. Like uh he had his beard the whole time while just maintaining composure in a thing. Yeah. So Bill and Susan ended up so frustrated with BJ's behavior that they even sought out their friends for help. Oh, there we go. Bill's BFF, Mark Gradle, was one of the main people to help out when the Liskies felt defeated. He often came over to their house when BJ was acting up or when things got physical. Mark's dog was discovered shot twice with twenty-two caliber bullets. Remember that for later. Just jot that one down in the old noggin. He confided in Bill, letting him know that he suspected BJ was the one who killed his dog and that he might be harming not only their pets, but others in the neighborhood. Mark told Bill and Susan that BJ's behavior was alarming and that they needed to protect themselves and their family from him. But how do you tell a father that he should be scared and protect himself from his only son? Bill had a difficult time coming to terms with BJ's mental issues and behavior. Yes, that, that's always the story. It's like the parents yeah. are just like, he's a good kid, bro. He's fucking <laughs> you up, bro. Um, <laughs> he refused to give up on him. He continued to believe that with the right help and right medication, his son would eventually be okay. I mean, he was he was hopeful. That's a that's a good. He's a good dad. He's a good dad. Yeah, with help and medication, that does gen generally help people. But you know, at least he wasn't like. I'm not gonna lie. At least he wasn't like taking him to like a sleepaway camp. <laughs> like right. you know, at least he was practical about it. Therapy or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. a cult. I don't know. He goes, uh, I don't know, Susan. I think this kid's got demons. Potential. <laughs> that kid he ain't right there up in the head up there. He ain't right. Something ain't right about him. Uh, is that how people know? Least, I yeah, he was just like, you know what he needs? A good long day of fishing with his dad. He needs <laughs> a knuckle sandwich. Um, <laughs> so he continued to believe in him. With the right help and right medication, his son would eventually be okay. And expressed to Mark, his BFF neighbor, uh, that his son would never hurt him or his family. He loved them. In February of 2006, Bill filed for guardianship over BJ. 18-year-old BJ had been in the hospital for schizoaffective disorder, bipolar type. Schizoaffective disorder is a mental health disorder that is characterized by hallucinations or delusions and mood disorder symptoms, such as depression or mania. 
there are two types of schizoaffective disorder. Say that 10 times. <laughs> the bipolar type, <laughs> which BJ was diagnosed with, that includes episodes of mania and sometimes major depression. And then the depressive type, that includes only major depressive episodes. So Yeah, course, and, and you know, everybody... It, like everybody with schizophrenia doesn't go on to to kill people right. obviously yeah but i think it's like if you're naturally a psychopath mm -hmm. and you have these mental illnesses that's where it gets a little hairy that you're still like sorting through you know treatment and and figuring that whole side of it out and of course he would be diagnosed with the the more manic side of schizoaffective disorder so that that lines up but um it says when BJ's on his medication, he does really well. After a while, he will stop taking it because he thinks he's okay. Then he starts drinking and smoking pot. Okay. Yikes, BJ. Get it together. Take Dude, your the devil's lettuce. Come on, BJ. Literally take your medicine. Take, just take your medicine. That night, the party ended at around midnight, and everyone except Bill, Susan, Susan's son, Derek, and BJ remained at the house. The next morning, Devin, Susan's other son, came home around 9.30 a.m., Halloween morning. He had spent the weekend at his dad's house. He headed to his room to quickly change since he was going to be singing at church service that morning. Turn up, bro. Um, Devin was only at the house for about five minutes when he ran into his stepbrother, BJ. BJ asked him what he was doing and how long he would be gone at church. Devin didn't really remember what else was said, but recalled that BJ was acting happier and more upbeat than his usual dark and gloomy self. Devin didn't see any other family members before he left the house that morning, and honestly, he didn't think to check because he was in a hurry to meet his family at church. After church, Devin returned to the house and went straight to his room to play video games. My guy was hopping on some cotton. <laughs> You know, me and that guy have a lot in common. Yeah. If you guys <laughs> yeah. don't Maybe know, so. that is how Rhea and I found each other, was through uh, some COD. Ripping some COD. So and I'm an inspiring COD pro, so. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, like, so good, so, uh. <laughs> I'm just, like, really good. <laughs> I'm, like, so good. I'm, guys, hold on, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'll help you. I'll be there. <laughs> and by the time I get there to help, uh, everyone's fucking dead, but, um, anyway. So, my kind of guy, Devin. It wasn't an about. It wasn't until about two p.m. that he noticed that the house seemed oddly quiet. You know, have you ever been playing COD or whatever you play, and you don't realize how much time has gone by, and you realize, and you like kind of look around, and you're like, like life was going on around you, and you just like kind of forgot. I think that's kind of where he was at. So he was like, "Wait, it's just blackout." Yeah, it's been like way too quiet. Like, what's going on? He didn't hear his mom or his stepdad or his brother, Derek. He knew his mom would normally be up by that time. There was no way they were still asleep. So he headed down to their bedroom, walked in, and found his mom and stepdad, Bill, in bed under their comforter. The comforter was pulled up over their heads so he couldn't see their faces. Okay, that's sus, because, like, one, claustrophobia, and two, like, can you breathe? Like, I... Yeah, don't touch that comforter. No. Um, Devin tried yelling for his mom to wake up, but with no response, he walked over to her side of the bed and nudged her leg that was sticking out of the blanket. No movement. He then pulled the comforter down a little bit, and that's when he saw the blood. Her pillow was soaked in blood. However, because it was Halloween, Devin's first instinct was that it was a Halloween prank, that his parents were playing a joke on him. Okay. Okay, Devin. What year was this? Uh, 2010. 
Oh, that man was playing Black Ops. He was playing a Black Ops COD, too. <laughs> and he goes, this has got to be a joke. They're fucking pulling my leg. They're pulling my leg Dude, here. To hop off Black Ops, the guy's probably got, like, a .5 KD and just, like, finds his parents <laughs> dead. That's a rough night. But, like, honestly, I would not pull the blanket down. Like, that's just immediate, immediately no. Here we go. Immediately no. I would not no. be doing that. Absolutely not. No. So I would, like, peek my head in and be like... Hey, you guys okay? And no answer? Like, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm calling 911 <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, I think they're dead. They're fucking dead. Meanwhile, they they took, like, you know, Benadryl and they're knocked out and can't hear me, but <laughs> hey, better safe than sorry. I'm not. Yeah, anyway, so Devin thought it was a prank. He said, uh, with his mom and stepdad continuing to be unresponsive, Devin realized what he was seeing. Sheer panic set in, and he started to cry and immediately ran out of the room and out of the house. Ooh, I'm glad you did that. He called his aunt Lori Morse and told her what he saw and asked her to come to the house. Okay, I mean that's a little different, but you know, called your your aunt. Uh, so it when makes me wonder what kind of woman his aunt is. Because <laughs> like, yeah, for like, all he knows, there's like a crazy murderer in the house, yeah. and he's like, you know who can fucking beat the shit out of this guy. My fucking aunt. <laughs> yeah, my fucking aunt is coming. She's actually, uh, she played in Trunchbull, Miss Trunchbull and Matilda, so <laughs> yeah. she's gonna Dude, go around put this guy in the fucking chokey, okay? Uh, so when Lori, when Aunt Lori arrived at the home and found the bodies, she called 911. Thank you, sister. Uh, when investigators arrived at the home, what they discovered was shocking. Bill and Susan were shot dead in their bed with the comforter pulled up over their heads. Oh, thank you for that. Like, we fucking knew that. <laughs> Bill had been shot five times in the head and face at close range, about two feet. Jesus. Susan was shot three times, also at close range, about two feet. The bullets that were found at the scene were twenty-two caliber. Do you think that he put that comforter over their face to like because he felt bad or like what do you think that was about yeah i feel like so yeah i always feel like murderers i'm like a professional <laughs> no i'm kidding uh <laughs> they always talk about how like a, it, it depends like it's always how you know it's a crime of not crime of passion but like a crime of someone that's close to you that's someone that knew you because they feel a sense of like guilt or they want not even guilt but um just they don't want like of they don't want you to, like right yeah weird, yeah weird in a weird way so they like sometimes they'll like respect yeah but it's just also yeah. just like <laughs> like even with like just other cases like weird shit where they you know they made sure that they had like a pillow even though they're burying them alive like you know just weird yeah shit like that, where it's like yeah you need to be a little bit comfortable you know respect the dead you know i fucking bludgeon you to death but um but yeah anyway so the bullets that were found at the scene were 22 caliber oh shit because i don't know if you remember what i told you guys to keep in your noggin but the dog that died the neighbor's dog was also killed with 22 caliber gun weird investigators then attempted to enter Derek, devin's brother's room the door was locked so when they kicked it in, they found Derek curled up in a in bed facing the wall. He had been bludgeoned in the head and likely died within a few minutes of the first hit. 
A bloody hammer was later found in the house and was consistent with Derek's wounds. The hammer and multiple guns were all confiscated from the home and sent for testing. Mark, Bill's bestie, told investigators that he heard what sounded like gunshots at around 6.30 a.m. that morning, which meant that the family could have been killed right before Devin came home to change for church. Shit. <laughs> Once detectives secured the crime scene and gathered statements, friends and family... Gathered statements from friends and family, they began looking for BJ. After Devin left the house that morning for church, BJ took the family's Ford F 150, stopped at Subway, <laughs> and drove to their hunting cabin three hours away where he had just spent some quality fallers on time. Honestly, Subway really missed out on a great advertising op. Like, like and <laughs> you Ford. Just your whole family. Are you exhausted and starving? Yeah. Do you need a getaway vehicle? Do you need a place to store the bodies? Uh, Are you, uh, anyway, so stop that subway. I just love that that was like in every article I read, it was that he stopped that subway. Um, And then the next part, it gets me every time because I read so many articles and this part was in all of them. And I was just like, this is essential to the story, clearly. So police eventually headed to the cabin. And remember, it's about three hours away. So. Uh, police eventually headed there to try to find BJ. It was around 5.30 p.m. when police arrived and arrested BJ. He had been at the cabin for less than an hour and never got the chance to finish eating his Subway. <laughs> like, why? First of all, how slow does this guy eat? <laughs> and, like, second of all, he he stopped three hours ago and got that sandwich. Like, what the well, fuck are you doing? You couldn't eat driving there? Yeah. Yeah. like were you know and that was in every Dude. single one of them was just like this unfinished subway and it was like you know that's really kind of sandwich was, was it? like the most unforgivable thing so far for me personally like. yeah especially <laughs> if it was italian herbs and cheese bread because of the audacity you know what i'm saying Dude. So, anyway uh i'm wrapping it up here we're getting to the end so william bj lisk william bj lisk or bj uh, Lisky, sorry, it's Lisky, and I just always want to say Lisk because the way it's spelled is just so weird. It but... sounds good. It feels yeah, Lisk. But uh, BJ Lisky was charged with three counts of aggravated murder and pled guilty to all charges. On September fourteenth, two thousand eleven, he was sentenced to three life sentences without the chance of parole. In exchange for his guilty plea, he avoided the death penalty. September fourteenth, two thousand eleven, he was sentenced to three life sentences without the chance of parole. In exchange for his guilty plea, he avoided the death penalty. BJ apologized in court for killing his dad, stepmom, and stepbrother, stating that it was his mental illness and Satan that caused him to murder. Okay. Uh, that isn't, yeah, that's not... Cop out. You know, <laughs> fucking cop right. out. It was Robert Right, Dick don't Dick. blame it. Fucking don't make Robert. everybody... Wabba did, did it. He's really strong. <laughs> Wabba's really strong. I think he did it. <laughs> on, Mar on march 31st 2015 after being in the ross correctional institution for less than four years 29 year old william bj liskey took his own life and was found dead in his cell that was the end of the bj liskey's family all right damn man my dog is going to town on her he, dude <laughs> yeah like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a bedtime stories for Ryder, actually. That's what this whole thing's about. 
Yeah. Just uh, things to keep her entertained while she gnaws on that bone. She's just chilling in the room when she's just like, Mom, pay attention to me. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about <laughs> uh, haunted dolls and fucking massacred families on Halloween. <laughs> but, uh, you know, whatever. But hey. All right. That's a wrap. Well, we will. I think what we're going to do is we're going to do bi-weekly. So the week after this week, we'll come out with a new episode with something even cooler. We didn't want to... We didn't want to use up all the good stuff so early on. So oh, yeah. it only gets better from here. Yeah, we, we only learn more. A little bit. Like, we kind of were like, we're going to, like, save all the cool stuff for, like, not the first episode. <laughs> Which I don't yeah. know smart, but just know we have, like, really cool things, like, cases we want to talk about and stories. So. Yeah. And, and these beginning episodes, for us more than anything, is just getting used to each other, our technology, and, and a writing process. And... We definitely are excited to get better as time goes on, and we appreciate the the patience and the support. Yeah, we appreciate it, and uh, we are really funny on a on a normal day. So, I think that'll start to come out a little bit more as we uh as we navigate this. So, <laughs> appreciate yeah. you uh, putting up with our yeah and uh, yeah. With that, be um, kind, yeah. be curious, and don't kill your entire fucking family, you piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Be kind, be curious, and don't be a piece of shit. And take your fucking meds. Do God your fucking damn it. job. <laughs> Do your fucking job and take your fucking medication. Oh my god, yeah. Alright, we love you. We'll you talk guys. to you guys in about a week. Bye. Yeah.